Hello and welcome to another episode of the Utility Man Podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Zachi, and today we'll be discussing a number of different things, including Kawhi Leonard re-signing with the Clippers. We'll evaluate where the Clippers stand from here and what chance they have in the Western Conference next year. We discuss NASCAR going to the famed Indianapolis Motor Speedway this weekend, and we look at some of the bubble drivers to see who will make the playoffs and who will not as we preview the race from the Brickyard. We also look at an interesting team in baseball, the Toronto Blue Jays, who are fourth in their division but could still make the playoffs. We look at their season and how they could still make the playoffs with a good team. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Utility Man podcast. This should be the Sunday episode. Hope you're enjoying your day. Gonna talk, talk, gonna start off with some good sports topics today. We got Kawhi Leonard going back to the L.A. Clippers. Not that I really didn't see this coming. I thought it was the um, the obvious option for uh, for him to go back because he really made a big commitment to the Clippers and how they their team was built after the 2019 season when he went to the um, when he went to the Raptors or when he went when he left the Raptors to go to the Clippers. They uh they really started to build the team around what he wanted. He got they got Paul George. They got a bunch of good role players, bench players around with some of the guys they already had, and they have had a good team in the last few years. But they hasn't been enough. They they lost to the Denver Nuggets in the bubble in two thousand twenty in the uh in the semifinals, to um and then the Nuggets went on to lose to the eventual champion Lakers in the sem- in the um in the conference finals, but. They uh they just have struggled with consistency. This uh then I think that's what they're looking with for looking for this year with um after last year they lost to the um they lost to the Jazz. Wait no, they lost to the Suns in the conference finals. Uh but Kawhi was hurt. He had an, an Achilles injury when this series was going on. So it's pretty much Paul George against the world in this series. It was a really it's gonna be a very hard series to win for the Clippers and they eventually fell. It was um unfortunate really to see this event this big deal for Kawhi and it didn't work out. This this new deal now is four years for hundred and seventy six point three million dollars. Big money and it shows that he's really committed to what the Clippers are doing to try to make him happy and bring a championship home to the other part of L.A. The Lakers already got one in 2020. But I like the move. I mean, Kawhi's a special, special player. He, I just remember watching him absolutely dominate in those 2019 finals and uh, playoffs with the Raptors. You remember that crazy buzzer beater shot he hit in Game 7, lean, like falling down out of the corner, three-pointer, Bounced around on the rim a few times against the 76ers. It was a great, great moment. And eventually ended up with the Warriors losing to them and giving the city of Toronto their first NBA championship. Really just a great moment and great uh, great playoffs for them. I mean, that was, most of that team is now gone with Kyle Lowry not being there anymore. It's just uh, most of that team is not there. It's a uh, very... Very sad to see some of that those teams fall apart because I remember watching them in the playoffs and I was rooting for them. It was a really really fun team. At with Kawhi at the helm, he seemed he could do anything he wanted to in those playoffs. He could hit any mid range shot. He could pull up from anywhere. Hit a three. His defense exceptional. One of the best in the league. His steals are always at the top. He can defend anybody. 
really just a really special player. And I like this deal, but the Clippers just haven't been able to close the deal. I mean, on paper, they should be better, but they're just not. Sometimes Paul George doesn't show up and play the way they want him to. They, um, I don't know, it's really just inexplicable why they haven't been as good. I mean, injuries really derailed them last season with Kawhi going down in the playoffs, but I don't know. I, I don't know how this deal will make them stack up against the other good teams in the West. You got the my championship favorite, the Phoenix Suns, the Jazz, the Lakers, the Mavericks, the Nuggets. I mean, there's going to be some good teams, and I don't really know how the... Clippers are going to stack up against them. We'll just have to see come uh, come time for the season. But it's really going to... I think it's going to be tough for them. I mean, here's the Mavericks coming off the... Like, the Mavericks, so to speak. I think they're an up-and-coming team with the, the real... A very real possibility to, um, to make a good run in the playoffs this year. And they have a new, new contracted Luka Doncic... They have um, they have some they have Porzingis they have Hardaway they have some real good pieces they can put together and like the Nuggets another team that's going to be up and coming with Joke with Jokic and Jamal Murray and Millsap I mean it's they've had, they have some really good teams in the West I don't know if the Clippers are going to collapse again it's not going to be very easy for them even if they're not going to collapse like I don't. They might lose anyway. It's going to be very hard for them. So we'll just have to see come time for the season how this is going to go. Now, we will move on to NASCAR at Indianapolis. We're going to talk about the playoff picture. This is stressful, stressful stuff. I mean, it's all going to come down to Daytona at the end of the day. And in that race, anything can happen. I think I, I have a few drivers written down that I really want to talk about. They want to talk I want to talk about their chances to make the playoffs. I'll give it a uh I'll give it an out of 10 chance to make the playoffs and how their season's kind of gone so far. I'll rev it down. I'm going to start with Kevin Harvick. 15th in points, I believe 90 some above the cut line. 93, I believe. Um he's had a good season. He actually I believe is tied for the lead in the series in top 10s. I don't know what the number is, but I believe he's up there. He's had a good season. Like, not by his standard. Last year, nine wins. Uh, was eliminated before the championship four. Very disappointing. But since that Martinsville race where they did not make the championship four, they've been significantly worse than they were last season when they were just ratting off wins every, like every other week, it felt like. I mean, he's gone to some of his best tracks, like a Phoenix, or two two races at Atlanta, two at Darlington, and it's just been like not relevant. Like he would he would run like back in at the back end of the top ten, but he just had not been relevant. I mean, if you go to if you look back at some of those at some of these races, I'd love to know how many how much the the percentage of his top tens that he finished seventh to tenth. Because I, I don't know how many he actually like ran well and led laps in. He's just hasn't been good by his standards this year. Um, to make the playoffs, something drastic would have to happen. Uh, he has an 80-some point lead on the, on the 16th guy in points, Tyler Reddick. And I don't know. He could have another winner. I mean, if he has a bad race and he wrecks, 
like at Indy Road Course. This podcast was recorded before the Indy Road Course race. So if you know what happened, and he and uh, this could seem silly, but if he wrecks and he ends up like 30th to 40th, like 30th, 40th range, he loses a lot of points to those guys who who would who could like hypothetically finish top 20. He would probably end up like 60 points above. And if you and Carvick, who's typically not a good plate racer, he would if you go to Michigan next week and he's another one of his best tracks. He has three wins in a row at Michigan, going back to 2019. And he's just not good again, or he finishes like top 15. And there's some guys above him that get stage points. He could go down to 50 points. And then going to Daytona, get some stage points, because Harvick generally is not a very good plate racer. He usually ends up getting wrecked. I mean, if he gets caught up in a wreck early, goes to 37th, and guys get their points and some stage points, he's out. I mean, it sounds crazy, but, I mean, it's not as far-fetched as some may think. Now, out of 10, I'd give him a 9 of – I'd give him a 9 out of 10, like 90% chance he would make the playoffs. It would take something quite drastic for him to miss it. But it's – there is a world where it happens, and I don't think it's that far off. Now, we go to Tyler Reddick, 16th in points, the last position for a playoff driver. He is 15 points over the cut line in Austin Dillon, who is 17th in points, his RCR teammate. Now, Reddick has been pretty good this year. Um, he's had a few top tens. A stage win at Road America really helped his cause. He's been he's turned into quite the road course racer this year. His strength is really the worn-out surfaces. If you look at his best runs this year, they've come at places like Atlanta and Homestead and Darlington. The places where... Um, you can like run a high lane where he which is which he's very very good at right up against the wall, and um, I don't know Reddick has doesn't have too much to show for him. He's probably very high in the top fifteens column, very consistent week to week. He's a, had a great sophomore season, and I he is a very deserving driver driver to make the playoffs. Now, for the road course race this weekend, you'd think that plays into his hands over a guy like Austin Dillon, who we can kind of trend into here. Uh, as well, but uh, Dylan would have the advantage at Daytona going into the last race. He finished uh, third there at the Daytona 500 this year. He won the Daytona 500 in 2018. He's had some great finishes at these plate races, and I don't. It's I don't think it's very far fetched to say he could win. He could be up there to win a race and may get in. And you know who that would bump out? Tyler Reddick. And it could put Kevin Harvick on the cut line at 16th. So this is not – there's a lot of pressure going on this on around this cut line. So Reddick would probably have the advantage of this road course. Re, um, Dylan would probably have the advantage at Daytona. So I guess in my book this comes down to how well they run at Michigan or how close they run to each other. Um, I, I would tend to tip the scale a little bit towards Dylan – uh, Michigan is a, not really a, like, it's kind of a straightforward cookie cutter track, two miles in length, high speeds, like, generally one or two grooves, doesn't really benefit a guy like Reddick, so if I had to choose Michigan, I think it'd be Dylan. I still think Reddick makes it. Let me be clear on this, I still think Reddick will make it, unless, and it depends, it all depends on how Dylan runs at Daytona, which absolutely nobody can predict, so... 
Oh, if I'm going to go out of 10, I'd say Dylan, probably 5 out of 10. Reddick, 7 out of 10. I think it's, if, if, as long as Reddick doesn't have a bad race. I mean, as, again, this probably could come out, and you guys could be listening to it after the Indy race. So this could depend on how he runs this next few races. 15 points is not a lot. If you run up there and get stage points, 15 points can disappear faster then a car can go by. So that's going to be exciting. Now we'll talk about some guys that are farther back. There's no one really behind Dylan that has a chance to get in on points. So now we'll talk about three guys who I think could, there's a chance where they could win to get in. And these three, I think I see three, uh, maybe four. I won't talk about the fourth one, but I see three likely candidates. Not, not likely, but where, they, where there's, there's a world where it could happen. Those three, and I'll throw in the fourth one, but I won't talk about. The three are Ross Chastain in the 42, Bubba Wallace in the 23, Matt DiBenedetto in the 21, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in the 47. Now, Stenhouse, I'll kind of go over him real quick. He's a very good plate raiser. That's why I can't rule him out at Daytona. He won that fall Daytona race in um, 2017. Good plate racer. Now, I won't talk about him, but I really can't rule him out, so I just, I'll throw him in there. But I'll start with Chastain. He's a great road course racer. And, I mean, shockingly, I didn't. this is not really a trait he was very good at in the Xfinity Series, but he's also a good plate racer. He runs up front, and he ran up front in the Xfinity Series last year. He was, like, caught, he got caught up in an early rack at Daytona this year, kind of invisible at Talladega. Then his season really started to pick up. A uh, few top tens, second at Nashville, I believe top five at Coda, top ten at Road America, another top ten at Watkins Glen, He's been very good. Another, again, Indy Road Course, if he goes out and wins it, that pushes Reddick out, put, puts Harvick on the cut line. If there's a world where it could happen. I'm not saying it's likely, but there is a world. Chastain's been good on road courses this year. I won't put out of 10 odds for these guys to make it, but I will describe the races where they could win to get in. Um, Bubba Wallace, the 23 car. For Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin. Lots of pressure going in on the season. Uh, they've been... Eh? I mean, they've run much better than they finished. They have, they've, they've had pretty much the struggles that a first-year team in NASCAR usually has. I mean, lots of mechanical failures. I mean, pit road problems. The team not... Like, the team not being used to each other. Or the crew chief. I mean, the driver's not used to the crew chief. It's their first year as a team first year together. So this is they're they're experiencing growing pains and that's why they're probably they're about I think they're 20th in points, 19th in points, something like that. Um Bubba Wallace though great plate racer. And especially Daytona. He's he has run up front, he's led laps at Daytona. He is he finished second in the Daytona 500 in 2018, finished uh 5th in this race last year. He's very very good at those types of races like a Ricky Stenhouse. He, there is a world where he could win to get in. I like him more than Stenhouse because he's less aggressive and he can play. He plays the strategy perfect. If you look at the first big one at a bunch of these like Daytona and Talladega races and you see the cars involved, you rarely ever see Bubba Wallace. So the next time you, you're watching a plate race, if you, if you are a NASCAR watcher, or even if you're not, I really would suggest that these races are amazing. But... If you, if you, if after that first big wreck that could take out 15 cars, 
Look at the people who are involved, and you rarely will ever see Bubba Wallace. He plays his strategy and how the, like, the tone that he runs these races with rarely ever will get caught in that first wreck. And after it takes out a bunch of good cars, then he'll start to race and get up to the front. This is a very, very smart plate racer, and I would not be surprised if he goes out and wins his way in at Daytona. That's, that would not surprise me in the slightest. In fact, he is, he's probably a very like, a smart bet to win this race. Now, our final driver we'll talk about is Matt DiBenedetto. This is a complicated one. He's not coming back to the Wood Brothers next year. He has not been, he does not know where he's going next year. At least, he's, at least he hasn't announced it. Um, like Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch, by the way, 23XI Racing. I'm going to say it right now. An employee of 23XI Racing pretty much said Kurt Busch is going there. So when it gets announced that Kurt Busch is going to 2311, you heard it here. Now, back to Matt D. He has been okay in the Wood Brothers car. He just, the knock, the knock on Benedetto. he can't close out races. Finishes He finished second a lot. He's he runs good. I mean, this is essentially a fourth Penske car, and the Penske cars are all good at plate races. He There's a world where he wins Michigan, but I don't see it. He's not a very good road course racer, but Daytona's going to be his spot. I I think he was top 10 there last year. He second at Talladega last fall until they had that penalty. Uh, top, ten, top five at Talladega earlier this year. Uh, he's he's just a very good plate racer, and I don't I wouldn't be surprised if he goes up there and gets help. The other reason I like Dibonadetto at Daytona for a win to get in, he has four teammates to help him out. If you look down the list of guys trying to win their way like win their way into the playoff, there's not very many Fords. The most of the Fords are already in, so they could help a guy like Dibonadetto try to win the race and try to get up front, get and uh, like try to stay up there. He can hold his own up there. So if he gets up there, I would not be surprised if he can hang up there and win it. But, again, long shot. Some of these guys, I, I mean, it's, it's, not a, it's not a likely world where they win, but it's possible. So, now we, so we switch NASCAR. Oh, if you, don't, if you didn't know, I, I'm just going to point this out now. The, I'm making comparisons to Daytona and Talladega for your non-NASCAR fans. Because they are very similar racetracks, and they are the only two tracks in the NASCAR circuit that use, that use restrictor plates over the engines that creates the pack racing and the big wrecks. So they're the two most similar tracks on the entire circuit. So if nobody knew, that's why. I would suggest watching one of those two races. They're a couple of the best of the year. I have big expectations for the Daytona race coming up in two weeks, and it's it's one of my favorite races of the year. I'd suggest it to anyone who's not a normal NASCAR watcher. Now we move on to the baseball topic. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. I found this very, very funny when I was uh, looking at these baseball standings the other day. The Blue Jays are 62-53. and 53, And they're fourth in their division. Yes, you heard that correctly. They're nine games over 500. Then they're fourth in their division. Now, let's think about this. The Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Rays are all ahead of the Blue Jays, respectively, in the, in the AL East. Now, if you put the Blue Jays in, any other, in pretty much any other division, they'd be second in the AL Central, behind the White Sox. I think they'd be third in the, in the AL West. 
they be fourth in the NL in the uh, or they they be either fourth or third in the NL West. They be they be winning the a, the NL Central. Wait, no, no, they'd be second. They'd be second because the the Brewers are much better than them. They would be winning the NL East. We talked about the NL East last week on this podcast with Brett Kelly. The Phillies are winning this division, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's the Phillies. But the Blue Jays would be better than them. The, the Blue Jays would be winning this division. It's crazy to think that they still have a shot at the playoffs if they're fourth place in their own division. But I'm pretty sure they're the second team, the first or second team out of the wild card. I think it's the Red Sox and the A's that are in, and the Yankees are the first team out, and then the then the Blue Jays. It's wild. I don't think I, if you if you go to the end of the year and they're still in fourth place, Brett Kelly, you'd have to look this up for me, but they could be the best fourth place team of all time. And I don't know if that's a really an honor that you want to have, <laughs> considering that you finished fourth place in your division, but they're a really good team. I mean, just look at some of their position players. I mean, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio, Marcus Simeon, Lourdes Gurriel, Bo Bichette. These are some star players. And then pitchers. You have Hejin Ryu, Robbie Ray, Jose Barrios. These are great players on a good team. But they're fourth place in the division because they just happen to be geographically in the best division in baseball. So I just thought that was a funny topic that I might need to bring up and to share with you guys on the podcast. And we can all kind of say sorry to the Toronto Blue Jays because they got geographically put in this division. Also, they're the best Canadian team because they are the only Canadian team. So that's always something to hang your hat on. Uh, that will that will probably do it for this week's podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It would really help me if you shared the show with your friends, liked, subscribed, review, do whatever. Uh, We'll be back on Wednesday with another episode. Thanks for listening to the Utility Man Podcast.